The Cappuccino Podcast brought to you in association with Tactical Solutions. For all your tactical solutions, check them out at www.tactical.co.nz. It's that time again, so grab yourself a cup of joe and get ready for the Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Today's guest, like I said to lots of people when I was in Canada, I met lots of amazing people, uh, and one of them is my guest today, Olivia McDonald. She's a TV host. She's a digital producer. Uh, lots of people who follow sports, and particularly Calgary, will recognize her from the Calgary Wranglers and also the Roughnecks. Um, she works for Calgary Sports and Entertainment. In her previous life, she's been a news reporter. Uh, she has a degree in broadcast journalism. Uh, from Mount Royal University. She's worked in retail. She's been a marketing coordinator. She's been a news anchor. She's had the best job ever. Man, I need this title for my job. A fun chaser. We'll talk about that. Uh, she is a surfer. There's not many surfers I know from Calgary, to be fair. I didn't see much surfing. I was there. Uh, all around great human being, my Calgary friend, Olivia McDonald. Welcome to the Cappuccino, man. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you so much. Well, more <laughs> than great. welcome. Now, you are probably far too young to remember a movie called Speed with Keanu Reeves in it. Have you even seen it? I haven't seen it, no. Nope. Good Lord. Okay, then. So what I do is to start off with, we have a speed round. There's a part in speed where the villain says pop quiz, hot shot, and proceeds to give Keanu Reeves lots of questions. So here's your seven quick fire questions. First okay. one is, the last book you read? Oh, it's called... Reminders of Him by Colleen Hoover. There you go, boom. Watch Stephen Just got finished it. it. Legend. Two things you know about New Zealand, Olivia. Not Australia, New Zealand. New Zealand. Uh, two things I know is you can take a really expensive helicopter ride up to the top of a mountain and um, hike around, which seems really cool. My friend did it. Boom. Um, and New Zealand did the lockdown right. Yep, that's right. That's there you go. And that's Olivia McDonald. She gives you ask her for two, she gives you three. That's awesome. Uh, your coffee order, man, because normally we'd record this in a police vehicle and I'd come and see you at the Saddle Dome. We'd park in the, somewhere, probably in the car park, and I'd bring you a cup of coffee. What would I be bringing you? You'd be bringing me, which you already have, Correct. a sugar-free vanilla oat milk latte. Yes, I remember that coffee order. Um, one thing I can't live without is what? Oh, uh, my bed. Mm -hmm. What's a sport you can't watch? I can't watch uh, wrestling. Oh, my Lord. Uh, baseball cap or cow cowboy hat? Uh, cowboy hat. There you go. The moment you realize you're an adult. Oh, God. When I had to ask my mom how many times I should be washing my bed sheets. <laughs> there you go. Right. So you come from a... Super. What we'd say here over here is almost like a sport Billy family, uh, very sports orientated. Do you want to just tell us who plays what? Because your dad's a bit of an Uber athlete as well, isn't he? Yeah. So I do come from an athletic family. My dad does Ironman, so he uh, travels around for those a little bit. He doesn't do as many anymore because he's retired. He's getting a little old. Yep. But he still bikes, swims, and runs almost every single day for like six hours a day. Uh, my mom does like the half marathon. She's a good runner. She hasn't, she's not doing it as much anymore. She hurt her back. Um, brother, we grew up playing every sport possible. So I just take after him and he did a bit of rowing and all that through university. So that's how I was raised. You're, you're a uh, fairly good volleyball player though, weren't you? That was probably my main sport. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so how do you get into broadcasting your journey to broadcasting? I mean, I know that, and I've heard, and I've seen print uh, interviews as well, that you were a bit of a video editor in your day. And there's obviously, of course, the famed O Show, uh, which you can explain to some of the listeners if you want. Yeah, funny enough, I was actually back home a couple of weeks ago, and my dad brought out like this memory book that I had made from grade eight high school. So I would have been about 13, 14. Mm -hmm. And you're supposed to write like your goals and all this stuff. And I said, I wanted to have my own TV show. Um, and I wanted to call it the O Show. I wanted to be the next Oprah Winfrey. 
that was kind of my goal. But then on the other side of things I'd written like, but I really love sports and I love editing videos. So I don't know like how that all plays. And it just turns out that's kind of how I ended up, which is great. Um, Yeah, I kind of got into it. Long story short, I was sitting in my bed one day in about grade 11 or 12. Mom came up to me and she was like, asking what I want to do. I don't know. Best piece of advice I've ever received. She said, what you should do with your life is take a look at what you do with your hobbies. Like besides hanging out with friends and eating and going to school, like what do you do? And I was like, I sit in my bed and I edit videos all the time. Like that's just all that I did. I'd go to a basketball tournament and I'd come home and I'd put a video together about my basketball tournament or whatever sport it is, I'd put a video together. And so she said, why wouldn't you do that as a career if you love doing it all the time? And so I was like, okay. And then I met somebody in a broadcasting program that had done the one out here in Calgary and I applied right away, got in, um, never really looked back. Boom. And now you've been a reporting intern a news reporter, you've anchored events, uh, but you actually don't like the news or news reporting, do you? No, I really didn't like news. It is so depressing. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. And I told my boss that when I was working in news and he was like, you really like have a tendency to do like the happy stories. And I was like, I know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I do that on purpose. Like, and people always said when I was working in news, they're like, I always wish it was happier. Like you're turning on the news and you're seeing like happy things and they call that a fluff story. And so Mm -hmm. that usually goes to the end of a broadcast. And I love doing those ones. And he was like, that's just not how news works. Like you have to go and you have to go see the dead body. You have to go to court. You have to do all this stuff. And I was like, it's not for me. Yeah. And no disrespect to my news reporter friends here in New Zealand, but I think a lot, lots of times people actually don't realize that perhaps you're not as informed as you appear when you're in, when you're actually the studio anchor because you're just basically reading the auto cue. It could be anything there. So I hear you. Uh, how the hell do you get a job as a fun chaser? And what the heck does that entail? I actually know the story, but you can tell it because it's so. <laughs> I, I got to be awesome. It is so freaking awesome. It's got to be the world's best job title ever. I think I'll never live that down. My parents no. to this day still sometimes call me the fun chaser. Um, I, I found it online when I was um, in Calgary and it's up in Prince George, BC, which is a city in the north of British Columbia. Um, and at that point in my life, I was just kind of accepting anything to go work in the industry. I just wanted to get my career started. Um, and after talking and doing the interview and they had told me you essentially like go to events throughout Prince George and you do live calls on the radio, you do commercials that you record, you do all this kind of stuff. So you're doing TV, you're doing radio, you're doing social media, you're doing all the stuff, but it was up in Prince George. So it was pretty hard to convince me to go up there. So I kind of turned down the job initially, like was considering it. They called me back right away and was like, how can we get you up here essentially? And I was like, okay, I'll come. Like, it sounds fun. I'll do it. Whatever. <laughs> So I moved up to Prince George and yeah, I would, every week I would essentially like plan my weekend, um, packed with events. So I'd go on Facebook, I'd pick places that events that were going on, a soccer tournament. Uh, like I went to a girl's birthday party once I I've covered like special Olympics. I've covered parallel, like all this different stuff. It ranges so much and you just plan out your weekend, you pack it full and then you go to each event and you do a live radio hit from there. On the weekdays, you're filming commercials that um, air on the news channels, like as the commercials. Um, Yeah, it was fun. It was an entertaining job. I have no regrets doing it. It was really cool. Like Prince George welcomed me with open arms. I would go to these events and then people would be inviting me to dinners and like their home family dinners. And just, it was a really, really nice Uh, first job in history. So if I ask you the big, I guess the $64 million question is this then, out of all the fun that you've chased as the fun chaser, what's the one thing that sticks in your in your mind funny enough the one that always sticks out in my mind is like i said i went to this girl's birthday party i didn't know it was a birthday party (laughs) and i saw it as an event and they were like painting cups for her birthday and it was a girl about my age and she just had a bunch of women over and they were um like painting mugs in her house and i showed up at the house and was like i think i might have messed this up and i kind of just knocked on the door and they were like come in and hang out and i ended up like staying for cake and painting mugs with them all day. I was like, this is great. That's awesome. And hence the reason you are now known as Olivia, where's the present McDonald? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, all good. Hey, now you do still do a whole lot of media. I think some people sometimes um, see you on a sort of tiny, tiny screen, or maybe they're watching you on the phone for um, 
team updates or something else within your role um i've seen i've sat behind you in fact social media producing copy scripting presenting editing if i said to you hey i'm sorry you've you've got to just choose one aspect of your job which one would it be and why it's funny enough i've had this conversation with my boss recently of just like where i want to go and what i want to do and um it is a tough question because i'm kind of two-sided on it i love the producing side of um like social media like i love coming up with creative ideas and executing them so that's probably where like once i'm done with being on camera is where i'll likely end up mm -hmm. um but right now i'm just i love the interview portions i love sitting down with the guys and talking to them about stuff like i'm setting up one right now with one of our guys who's organizing a golf tournament and we're just gonna sit down and chat about it that is so fun to me that's it's just hearing them talk about something they're passionate about you're creating like life stories that you can show other people that's so right now that would probably be it that's a good and uh, i hope you told your boss you're coming for his job and that you're not yeah, gonna absolutely. Get, you're not going to grow a beard as bad as his so that's all good all right uh, <laughs> all right now so your first job in hockey actually wasn't with the calgary flames was it you actually started at the, Can the canucks didn't you so how did that all come about? Because uh, I've heard, you know, you were a top prospect. You got an internship with them. You did a whole lot of stuff with them. And your mum, your mum's a, or as you would say, your mom is a uh, Vancouver Canucks fan as well, isn't she? Like you are. Yeah. You did your research. You're correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a huge Canucks fan. She knows every single thing about that team. So when I got the job to say she was over the moon and so were my grandparents, they're huge Canucks fans. So like, Everyone was pretty excited when I got that job. Um, I got it. I was actually out in Calgary for the summer working. It was after Prince George. Um, and I had applied for an internship there. Lucky, Luckily enough, and I always say this, they ended up telling me that the reason I got my internship was because I actually submitted a demo reel. And I was the only person to do that. So piece of advice, if anybody has a demo reel and they can submit it, that's obviously a good step. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I got the job with them. It was the first time they ran this program called the Top prospects program um and so it was an internship for eight months I got chosen to be in the game presentation department so I did a lot of behind the scenes stuff and then I luckily kind of got to fill in as an imble host every once in a while do a couple video things with them so that added to the demo reel of course which was awesome um it was a really really cool experience I initially got hired on full-time afterwards but COVID hit mm -hmm. uh, so it was I would have stayed like the crazy part is I would have just stayed in game presentation for the rest of my life if I could have like I loved it that much and I would have forgotten about the on-camera stuff kind of because I just didn't think it was possible anymore yeah so COVID was kind of a blessing in that way putting me back into where I want to be but it was a really great job to have for sure yeah like I said you you and your family are big connect fans so I've got to be honest here I'm a big Quinn Hughes fan so I keep an eye on them anyway. Uh, I might have, might have even sat in his seat just quietly, but that's also about it. Uh, so $64 million question uh, for one of our regular listeners, a man called Dustin Wolf. Game seven, Stanley Cup finals, the Canucks versus the Flames, bearing in mind that the Canucks have never won, right? Who are you cheering for? And you can decline to answer if you wish. <laughs> and Dustin Wolf is in net? Yeah, for the Flames. Yeah, of course he is. Yep. Oh, man. Um, she's oh, my God. She's I really don't know. Yeah, she's hesitating, Dustin. I'm just saying. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> Norris, we'll just move on. Right, okay. So your role at the Canucks was like, like you said, it was game presentation and everything. And everything from the music to the entertainment to the video clips. Just so that some people over here have got some idea of how much effort goes into the entertainment for a game. Um, as you know, we're very uh, rugby-based, outdoor-based here. Uh, we've only got like four ice rinks. Um, so for rugby entertainment, a lot of it tends to be maybe a little bit of cheerleading and dancing in the middle. And then we get a few flames thrown up on the side of the field. And that's pretty much it. You can't do much in an outdoor setting. But how much prep goes in to um, that game sort of presentation for an NHL game? Yeah, a lot. It is like a full week of preparation. I have fully sat and rolled t-shirts for hours. I have, uh, you got to book the anthem singers. You got to book, if you're booking a band to perform in an intermission, you have to book them. You have to plan the music, essentially, especially if it's a theme night, you have to have the music planned. You have to have uh, performers planned if it's a theme night. 
uh, that walk around the concourse and perform at an intermission again. You have to have um, game presentation picks like the goal songs. They pick um, any video that's up on the video board that gets played. They are picking that. Um, so even if let's say like I didn't interview beforehand the week before that if that gets played on the jumbotron that's game Prez deciding that that gets played in what order everything gets played if there's um commercials or um any contract videos that have to be played um that's their job to make sure those get fit in and that the lights around the rink go on at the right time and the right ones are played mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of work that goes into it for sure. Yeah. And then when you add, uh, like when I was at Calgary, very disappointed I missed out on them, but James Hatfield from Metallica was there and you spot them and you got to go over and sort of say, hey, is there any chance you would appear on camera and all that type of stuff? So, uh, speaking yeah. of goal songs, if you played in the NHL, what would be Liv McDonald's gold song when she scored? It'd probably be like a Shania Twain song or something. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's all right. That's all good. Uh, so everything's going roses and then COVID hits and that was kind of that, wasn't it? Um, so a couple of questions here. Number one is, how did you deal with COVID where you were? Number two, how did you deal with the disappointment? Because like a lot of people, you know, um, I'm lucky I'm a police officer, so we just kept on going, but uh, you lost your job and unsure and, at that stage, look, let's be honest, uh, even this lonely Kiwi down in New Zealand is going, I don't know if there's going to be any more ice hockey for another four, five, six years. So how did you cope with it all? Oh, I didn't cope with it well at first, to say the least. Um, it was it was really tough. I actually felt like I was going through a breakup. Like, it, it was tough. Um, the first eight months, I didn't know whether or not I was kind of still working. We still did Zoom calls. We still chatted but we were all laid off essentially pretty quickly within the first month and then um we still kind of did team calls to just talk about what we could do if the season came back and all this stuff um so eight months I just didn't work kind of waited and hoped and like checked in with my boss every day just being like when are we starting up again um and then eventually after that eight months it was like okay I actually have to have an income I need to have some money and I'm bored so I got a job with Lululemon, did that for a bit. And then I got a job with a marketing company that was great for about seven months before coming out to Calgary. And they filled a hole of being bored, but there is nothing like not knowing whether a hockey season and lacrosse seasons were going to start up again. Like the summer before I got the job out in Calgary, like I just went through an emotional roller coaster of like, what do I do with my life? Like, if I can't get back on with the Canucks, like, what do I do? Do I just go back into news? Do I find a whole other path? Like, I actually thought my road in sports was over. And so I, I had a tough time coping with that until I was lucky enough to get this job. Yeah. Uh, and I worked retail before I joined the police. So I always say to people, I actually think retail is a really good grounding for anybody. It's so, it's so humbling. Uh, you know, you're having to deal with amazing people and then you have to deal with complete a-holes uh, some days as well. And yeah, the customer's always right, but hey, look, I hear you. Um, so you did, obviously, like you said, you've done some retail, you've done some marketing. And then I heard you say in another podcast, you're actually just about all ready to go and throw it in and go, you know what? I'm going to go and catch a wave in Australia as you do. Um, how tough was it to like, I mean, that's a huge life decision to actually go all that stuff I've studied at, all that stuff I got so close to getting, and now I'm just going to go and live in a tent in, uh, let's say, Queensland up in Australia and surf for a couple of months and try and figure it all out. Um, was it was it tough? Like, Because, I mean, that's your life dream, almost pretty much going down a plug hole, isn't it? Yeah, and that's why I say, like, it was honestly like going through a breakup. Like, I couldn't figure out what to do. And, yeah, I was very close to just being like, I mean, flights at that time during, at the end of COVID were so expensive to get yeah. to Australia. I was like, that kind of held me back, thankfully. Um, and so like my family, we've Australian citizen citizenship. So it makes it very easy for me to just head over that way. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was just in such a bad headspace at that point that I was like, and I'm, this is why you go to therapy, but I, when I face problems, I'm run, I run from, run from my issues hundred percent. And I like physically run away from them. Like I get up and I move to a different city or 
I go on a holiday, whatever it is, I get away from my issues and I just do that. And so when I faced that after Vancouver, I was like, okay, I guess I'll just toss it in. I'm going to go to Australia. I'm going to find something to do out there. I'll become a surfing yoga instructor or something like yeah 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 I gave up all hope honestly at that point it was tough I faced a lot of rejection I applied to a lot of jobs even like I got pretty close to getting jobs down in the states with hockey teams but because of visa issues I wasn't able to go and like yeah it just I felt so much rejection that I was like okay I give up I'm done and then and I can say this having been a Flames fan since 1989 and seeing Mike Vernon play, that's what got me as a Flames fan. The beautiful people at Calgary Sports and Entertainment ring you, didn't they? And they kind of sort of said, hey, can we can we see you again type stuff. You want to talk us through it and your conversation with uh, Ty there at, the, at, the, at Calgary Sports Entertainment? Yeah, so Ty is my manager now. He's awesome. Um, I, I do concur. Oh, he is awesome. He's so great. And like, yeah. I, this would have been around Thanksgiving. I actually just saw my old email. I was scrolling through my old emails, deleting stuff. And it was October 7th. Um, I guess that would have been two years ago. I did my Zoom call with him and it was over like a Thanksgiving weekend. So once I did my interview, he was kind of like, I won't get back to you for a couple of days because of the holiday, uh, but I'll let you know. And then essentially he called me, I think it was on the holiday. And he was like, never mind, we can't wait. I'm just gonna let's get the paper signed. If you're saying yes, like, can we do this now? And I'm like, okay. And I it was an interesting time because I was so it was in Vancouver. I was living with my roommate um downtown in Yale Town. We had an apartment. Luckily, we were over a year, so we were just month to month. Um, and I had a boyfriend in Vancouver, I had my friend group in Vancouver, I had all my furniture. And so when he called me, I was just kind of like, Yep, okay, I'll accept. <laughs> without even like processing what was going on so then I hung up the phone I called my parents and I was like uh so I'm moving back to Calgary and they were like oh not again (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. like I swear but I it's funny like on the phone I told them and I was like my parents are the biggest supporters in the world um but I was like listen if I if I take this job like this is the job this is a job that's going to get me on TSN it's the job that's going to get me noticed. It's going to push my career a lot further. My parents like, if you believe that, then let's, let's book the U-Haul right now. Let's get you out there as soon as we can, like all this stuff. So I had two weeks to pack up. And as soon as I hung up with my parents, I was like, I guess I should probably call my the boyfriend at the time and probably tell him that I'm (laughs) leaving the province. And so that obviously didn't last because we're not still together, but Um, yeah, I just, I packed up all my stuff. I had two weeks to get everything out of the apartment and get to Calgary. Um, so it was an absolute whirlwind of a time, but I've never been happier. Like I got out here and I felt like a new person. I felt so relieved to be back in sports. I just like, I can't even express like how happy I was Mm. at that time. I had no idea what I had accepted. Like Ty described the job to me probably three times. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. sign me up. And yeah. it it was turned out so much better than I thought it even would. So I'm I was very happy. Yeah, and you're lucky because you went with an uh, an amazing team. You know, I, as you know, I yes. sat there for about a week and it was just, yeah, they're just a great team. Now, I know that your mum, and like we've mentioned before, she's a massive Canucks fan. After the realization of you getting the job, yay, go live, uh kind of hit <clears throat> to give some of our New Zealand listeners some idea. The Canucks and the Flames are fairly big rivals. Um, so after the realization had sunk in for mum, was she like, oh, hang on, Olivia, you've got to be kidding me, haven't you? Well, that's, I'm pretty sure she said those exact words. Like yeah. she, she says she, I'm never allowed to buy her any Flames gear. Yeah. She will not wear it. She will not put it on. The most she'll do is she'll, she's worn my Wranglers hoodie yeah. to a Flames game when she's come. Yeah. Uh, but she said, I'll wear a Wranglers thing because I support you but I will not wear flames gear. And I said, okay. She loves the roughness. Yeah, so that's fair. But it's no still one of my favorite photos of Instagram. I think last year was, I think it was you and your mom at a Wranglers game and your mom's still wearing a Vancouver's Connect t-shirt <laughs> under your hoodie because nothing will touch. Yeah, I just thought that was great. That's awesome. Yep. I love, I, that is the passion I love in hockey fans. Um, now it's really difficult, but let's be honest, being a woman in sports, uh, you get lots of people 
you know, what the hell would that woman know about hockey? She's never played AHL. She's never played NHL, which I just think is, but to be honest, and you know that I know lots of ladies in sports, it's complete bullshit. Let, let's be honest, right? Um, what's some of the worst things that you've heard about women not knowing stuff in sports? I know that you've had a couple of cool encounters with people saying, oh, name five players or do this. Do you just get sick and tired of it sometimes? Yeah, you get, you know what? It's funny, especially being um, a single woman. Yeah. Um, it is hilarious when you are approached and they want to talk about sports because they know what you do for a living and they're instantly quizzing you or questioning how much you know about the teams. And I'm like, I could know nothing and you have no right to come up to me and ask me yeah. these questions. So like instantly you've lost your chance to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, it blows my mind. And like, before I was even in the industry, I was lucky enough to meet like Ivanka Osmak and listen to talks from all these women so high up in the sports industry and talk about their experiences. And I was blown away that that could happen, that men could question you so much, or it's a great example of a male anchor mispronounces the last name of a hockey player, which happens all the time. We even oh, yeah. just saw it at the NHL draft. Like it happens constantly and they get, they laugh, people laugh it off and they're like, Oh, fix it next time. Whatever. A woman mispronounces in NHL players last name or NFL or whatever it is. They are so scrutinized and like picked on because of one name because they're a woman. Like the difference is, and people think, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. No, like it is such a big difference the way they get treated for messing up compared to a man, which is so tough. But like, so that's why I'm so cautious of pronunciations and all that. And I'm so scared. Like if I'm interviewing a coach after a game, if I say or like say the wrong name for the power player, whatever it is, like some little thing, I'm so scared because it ruins my credibility. Like instantly, if I get something wrong, it feels like. So you're always a little careful. Uh, it always makes me laugh because you, you and I've done it. I've sat in a room full of hockey jocks, and you know, up pops a, a female uh, presenter, and that should make no difference whatsoever. And, and one of the first things you always hear is, uh, "She's never played me in at gel." And I look around, and I'm like, "And I don't think you have either." But we'll just leave it at that. That's all good. So that okay. is true. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's bizarre. It really is. Um, yeah. So what was it like when you first started? Because um, as we all know, teams have an inner circle to them, right? Um, and you can go and visit a team. You can kind of do what I did where I um, spent some time with you guys there, but you never actually quite get into the inner circle. Um, all they've got to do is push a button or say, don't talk to her or don't talk to them. And all of it just closes up and you pretty much get the stock standard answers. Yeah, great first period. Uh, we need to be a little bit tighter on D and uh, we need to pops, perhaps feed some of our forwards a bit better. Um, how do you walk the tightrope? Because I know that, for instance, with the Wranglers, I know that you know a lot of the guys personally as well, as well as the coaching staff. Um, how do you walk the tightrope between getting the information that you need as well as keeping the guys on side? Because that's a fairly tight tightrope to be walking, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Um, I'd say like the biggest word to use there is just trust. Yeah. Um, and I learned that from, I learned it quickly and I learned it from, I would give credit to Kurt Molosky, the coach of the Calgary Roughnecks. He said it, uh, when I first started, like he was just, I have to be able to trust you. And, um, at first I didn't quite understand it. Like I was just kind of like, why wouldn't you trust me? Like, what have I ever done wrong? But it's, then you slowly watch the other media personalities and you see them, grab a piece of information. Like let's say they come to a morning shoot around and see that Shane Simpson is sitting on the bench and they instantly are on Twitter being like, I think he's hurt. I think this is what's happening. Like I got this piece of information, like blah, 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 throwing it out there, tossing it because, and in the coach's eyes, the per media personality is throwing it out there for likes and attention and whatever it is. Even if that's not the case, that is the media's job to send that out there. But to a coach, that's what it looks like. And so I realized in the coach's eyes, especially being um, a specific team reporter. Like I'm not reporting to a media, I'm reporting to them. Mm -hmm. um, I, if I'm sitting with a coach and he gives me a piece of information, it is not for me to go and share no matter what it is. Like I always try to ask permission before anything. Like um, if it's about a player, I always make sure they're okay with me sharing it. If I'm talking about it on TSN, um, 
it's, it's just that level of trust. And like you said, like it is a very tight line that you have to be very careful of walking. Um, and I can catch myself sometimes, like, especially like even going on podcasts or whatever it is, like, um, right now it's fine. It's off season. I don't know much information about the teams right now, but, um, I just have to be careful. What do I, what I say? And sometimes you do say too much. And so I'm like, I'm learning as I go. Um, but yeah, building a relationship, it takes a while. It took me a full year with um, the Roughnecks to really, I'd say, build good relationships. This year was awesome because I just felt so close to the team. I felt closer to the coach. I felt like I just, they welcomed me in a lot better in the second year, I would say. Um, the Wranglers, same way. At first, I just felt like I didn't really have a relationship. It was tough to get good answers out of the guys because you're still building those relationships. By the end of the year, I felt like I got a lot better with the guys. We were getting way more better clips. It was funnier. It was fun, all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to next year because those relationships I feel like have just flourished in the last like couple months. So slowly, but surely building it and working on it every single day for sure. Yeah. Shows in your interviews as well, just quietly. Um, and that's the reason why you should never, ever play poker with uh, the social media manager for the Calgary Flames, who I spent doing a podcast with explaining how much I loved Blasty. And where they're going to bring yeah. the blasty jerseys back and blah blah blah. And she stone faced it and said, oh, I don't know, knowing full well that they were going to bring them back. And she didn't even bat an eyelid. God bless her. All uh, right. So now you're um Calgary Wranglers and the Roughnecks, which is lacrosse for those that don't know, right? But we see also see you on Flames Television, which is the Calgary Flames, as well as you sometimes pop up for the Hitmen too, right? So how the hell? Do you keep up with all the players' movements and the stats and the game plans? Like you talked a lot to hockey fans. We've just had the NHL draft, obviously, and they're like, "Yeah, I don't do the draft. It is just way too confusing." When they start saying we've just traded a round four pick for this, and we've traded this guy, and he's gone, and everything else. So, how do you keep up with it? I know it's your business, but are there some days you just feel like it's all alphabet soup? Yeah, I think my brain, like, I don't remember how to do fractions from high school, but I can tell you the most random facts about athletes, which is hilarious. But it's honestly, and I say this to like young girls that always ask me about working in sports is you have to enjoy it. Like if you don't, on a Saturday night, if there's an NLL game, I'm sitting here probably watching it, even if it's not my team because of interest. Like I'm, I want to know how these teams are doing. I want to know who's in, who's out, who's playing well, all that kind of stuff. Like it genuinely, I'm curious about it. I want to know. Um, if I didn't, it would be very tough yeah. to keep up the stuff. Don't get me wrong. I don't know stats on every single player. I don't know when every player was drafted and I'm not going to fake that. Obviously there's Google for a reason. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy watching the sports. I enjoy learning about each of the players and their backgrounds and where they came from because I love the personal stories side of it. And that was part of the reason I think talking to Ty in my first interview to get this job was that he asked why I liked working in it. And I was like, I love the personal side of it. I want to know where every player came from, why they're in hockey, what's going on in their life. Like, are they engaged? Are they about to have a wedding? Like, all this stuff, like all the personal stuff is the best part of sports because that's the side people don't really get to see that much when you're just watching a hockey game. So I like to share that as much as possible, the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, you're right. Because I think lots of people don't actually realize, particularly with the Flames and the Flames Foundation, what, um, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to come up and spend some time with you guys, how much um, the Flames actually do in the community. And I know all we NHL teams do, but if you look at somebody like uh, Hubie, Jonathan Hubido, uh, and just go, oh yeah, good hockey player, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but have you seen the lounge that they have at the Saddle Dome and all that type of stuff? So, yeah, I get you. Uh, now, travel is a huge, huge part of your game. And watching your Instagram and in sort of the last month of the Wrangler season was, i got to be honest, as a police officer, it was like watching a car wreck happen in front of me. Right? Um, how the heck do you keep going, right? Because um, there was, I think there was actually an Instagram post where you put, Oh my God, I am absolutely shattered. Please just send me a hug because I have absolutely nothing left. And I started, I'm like, I'm sending you a hug, Olivia. And then I was like, that sounds kind of creepy. So I think I just put a heart and I was like, yeah, we're done. Yeah. Um, but how did you how did you cope? Because your travel is horrendous. Um, oh. Yeah. And particularly in that last month of playoffs, how did you, how did you manage to cope? I am someone, I love traveling. I love being on planes. I love being in the airports. I love everything about it. I love hotel rooms, all that stuff. So 
I try not to complain about it because I'm so grateful that I get to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, you asked earlier, what's my coffee order? Sugar-free vanilla oat milk latte. That's how I got through the months of travel. And honestly, like you said, like the last during playoffs was so tough mentally, physically, because um, a lot of the time I had to take like 6 a.m. flights. So you're up at 3, 4 a.m. to get to the airport after you would have just finished a game the night before. So you're up till at least midnight, 2 a.m. before you're like actually asleep in your hotel room. So you get one to two hours of sleep. I'd fly, I'd get to the airport. I'd maybe nap on the plane if I was lucky. Sometimes the flights were only an hour, hour and a half. So you wouldn't get much time. Fly back to Calgary. I'd go straight to the dome and I'd be there for like a rough next practice or Wranglers practice. And just, you don't stop. Um, and I'm a very bad napper, so that doesn't help. I'm terrible mm-hmm. at taking naps in the middle of the day. And it actually, it was pretty funny. One of them, I flew in, I had had two hours of sleep and I got to the dome for the rough neck shoot around. And it's a running thing that, um, my good luck for the team is that I go for a game day run, um, uh, before every game. And so the coaching staff or like the, um, athletic staff were kind of looking at me like, well, you have to go for your run today it's a playoff game. Like you have to get your run in. And I was like, I was going to go home and nap. And they were like, <laughs> can't lose this game. Like you have to go for your run. And I was like, Oh no. So I would go home. I'd like skip my nap. I'd just go for the run, get a quick 20 minute power nap in and then go back. And we ended up winning the game. The one game I didn't get to run. Cause I had flown in and gone straight to the game. We lost that game. And that was our last playoff game. And so I was like, yeah, that's it. but yeah, it's tough. It was, it was definitely tough. And then that's what the off season's for is just to like reset your entire life because you're drained, completely drained down to the moment. Like you'll just cry at random moments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, you're a crier anyway, aren't you? I mean, let yeah. Me be honest. yeah, that's all good. So when all the, and I know that people will assume like, I, like they do with this podcast, for instance, you know, that you can talk to people for hours without any preparation, which is, we all know it's a myth, uh, right? Yeah, you can do it for about 15 minutes and then it's like, well, I'm beginning to run out of things here. When all the hype and the hoopla and the playoffs, like um, sports is an emotional roller coaster. That's why we love the playoffs so much. We all get passionate. We all get excited. Uh, you get your fear where the fans jumping on board. This is going to be a good adrenaline fix for me type stuff. But when all the hype and the hoopla is gone and uh, like when the Wranglers got um, knocked out, and the lights are off and everything else, the room's gone quiet. What are we going to find Olivia McDonald doing? Well, first you're going to find her like depressed in a corner because postseason depression is such a real thing. The moment, yeah, (laughs) like, and people can understand it, whether you're a sports fan or you work in sports, like it is tough when your team is knocked out. And I still remember like the moment we were in Coachella Valley and they scored on Dustin Wolf, and I just see Wolf collapse to his knees in the net, and everybody crowd around him. I just stood there like in shock, and just I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know what to think. Like people were trying to shove me out on the ice so I could take photos, and I was like, "Our season just ended, and everyone's heartbroken, and I'm heartbroken." And I was just like, "That was so overwhelming." And then I go and I fly the next morning back to Calgary for the Roughnecks playoff game and they lose that game and get knocked out of the playoffs and I literally was like <laughs> in shambles and I was so tired I cried for like 48 hours I was exhausted it was so emotional but then you kind of just have to I'm very and I've talked about this before of like um I reset by being alone like I need to have some alone time to regain my energy and to just like do my laundry, clean my apartment, get my life reset. So I do that for a bit, just kind of get my life back in order. And then the off season starts, which means football and uh, just doing fun content with the guys, like going golfing and doing all that stuff with the. Yeah. Which is because you are an introvert, aren't you? Cause which is really weird because when you come into a room, you light a room up <laughs> and everybody's like, yay, here's Olivia, blah, blah, blah. And it's, and then, like, when I was doing the research for this podcast, I'm like, wow, okay, she's an introvert. She likes her time alone and everything else. So, yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's understandable. Now, you still get nervous when you present, don't you? And in actual fact, and a, that's almost a good, great Instagram account, Olivia McDonald's knees. But uh, I've heard stories of you actually, like, your knees will physically shake before you go out on the ice and that type of stuff. Do you have a set routine before you do a presentation or before you do something on, like, Wranglers TV? How are you, how do you get everything 
right in your thought process and get yourself nice and calm. Yeah, I'm actually a pretty OCD person and I have very routine days. Like even as you, as we talked about my game day runs, like I have everything on a game day lined up to a T. I do everything the same every game day. Um, but I just, I just make sure I feel prepared. Like I, especially roughneck. So shaking knees one comes specifically from roughnecks when I, cause I stand in the tunnel during their games right behind them. Um, and then I go out during the quarter breaks and do my interviews. So right before, I think it has to do a lot with adrenaline from standing down there. And then I also just get naturally a little bit nervous. Um, my knees just literally quiver. I'm so like, people are worried about a pass out. Cause I'm just like shaking like a freaking tree or leaf on a tree. And, um, I, yeah. So I just like, I'll, if I have to, like, I'll sit down, I'll go through my questions beforehand. I always write things down. I, I have to physically write things down, not even just on my phone. Like I have to write my questions out typically for the most part, just to get them out of my head and onto paper. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. What my notebook looks like. I hear you. Yep. <laughs> it helps. It's, and it's not even to like memorize it. It's just to hear it somewhere else in a way. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but I always write my stuff down and then I go out and it seems to go fine, but I don't know why I still get so nervous. Everyone says it's because you care. And I guess that would be why. Yeah, that's not wrong. Um, that All of that said, what's been your biggest gaffe on air or before a live audience? The one where you'd gone, oh God, just melt the rink or let the field swallow me now because that is like a horror moment. I've mispronounced, like, um, I think I called, I think I was interviewing Tyler Pace and I think at the end of the interview I said, thanks Taylor. And I was like, eh. that's not it. And like, you can, I don't think anyone can really tell, but it's like little things like that or um, my worst that happens to me fairly often, which I always mess up, is like, when Wranglers games, they'll walk off and I'll be busy backstage and not notice that the other team has scored. And so I'll be like, oh, you guys are up 2-1, like, blah, blah. And they're like, well, no, it's tied 2-2. Two, two. And I'm like, uh, oh. Well. <laughs> oh, well, it'll happen. Now, yeah. question for you. If you could interview anybody in the NHL, who would it be and why would it be that person? Oh, man. I think I would have to say, I mean, the obvious answer is like McDavid yeah. would be pretty cool. Um, I'd have to say Sidney Crosby though, because I've, I feel like I've watched him my entire life. Like he's kind of been <clears throat> someone that's been there. The other ones were, I was lucky enough, like working at the Canucks, I got to see the Sedins a lot, which was really cool. So I've kind of, I've done all the Canucks ones, which is like, mm -hmm. obviously a dream. Um, so I would say a lot of names from the Canucks, but because of that, I'd probably go with Sidney Crosby. There you go. And now your family house in Canada is a bit of a novelty, isn't it? Because you and your mom are the big hockey fans. Uh, can you what? Can you remember your earliest recollection of hockey as a kid? Oh man, it's going to my grandparents' house. They used to live out on this golf course in River Shore in Kamloops, and we'd always go out there for like dinners, like Saturday night dinners or whatever. When I was really little, and I'd pretend to sleep on the way home so my dad would have to carry me up into bed. Obviously, <laughs> um, I. I just remember like we'd go, we'd have a really good dinner and then we'd all sit. My grandparents would pre-record because they'd have PVR even back in the day. They had it so they could record the Canucks games. And then we'd sit and we'd just watch Canucks games and I would peacefully fall asleep like on the couch because listening to John and John, their announcers were so calming to me that even now, like if I would watch now that one of the Johns is retired, but watching a Canucks game can put me to sleep in like the nicest way. Like I feel so calm watching their games now and I can just like pass out. But when I was working them, because you don't hear John and John, the adrenaline would just keep me alive the whole time because you're just working it. But yeah, I love watching Canucks games keeps me calm. And that was like my earliest memory is just feeling very peaceful at my grandparents, like watching a Canucks game. Tempted as I am to say something smart as a Flames fan, I won't about Canucks game sending you to sleep. I wouldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> but it's a little bit like me listening to Derek Wills in the squad car because some of the games I can't watch because of the time difference. I can pick up yeah. that man from about 500 metres going, he scores. And I'm like, yes, we're in. Here we go. Um, yeah, and, and some people make fun of me for it because hockey is such an exciting sport. And like they'd be like, oh, I get it with like golf or whatever. But hockey, I don't know what it is. It's so calming to me. Unless yeah. it's obviously like a playoff game or something, I'm not going to be falling asleep. But yeah, I can just turn it on and like do the dishes and have my life. Like it's so nice. I love it as background noise. Yeah, uh, for me, it's my uh, de-stressor, I guess, from work. Yeah, I go home and watch hockey. 
Uh, it's two o'clock yep. normally here in the afternoon, so yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, now, as a bright, bubbly television host, uh, lots of people would not expect you to suffer from anxiety, right? Um, or even go to therapy like you've you've told us before, right? Now, your dad and your brother are both counsellors, aren't they? Right? So I heard that you thought, uh, you know, it's not for me when you started doing therapy and everything else. What made you get over the hump or realise that, hang on, actually, perhaps you do need a little bit of help here? Because for so many people, you hear this story, and I heard you tell the story on another podcast, but there are so many people I know or know of that go, oh, you know, my problems aren't actually that big. Um, and then they go, actually, there's a light bulb moment in here where I actually go, yeah, I need some help. What was yours? Mine was um, actually, like we talked about going through COVID and I faced just so much rejection of um, jobs and just felt like that in life. And I, I got into such a bad headspace mentally that I felt like as like I was in a relationship and I felt like I couldn't be a good partner to him because I was so down all the time. I didn't want to go out and do things. I didn't want to get out of bed. I hated my job. I hated like I was just in such a bad place that I was like, I need to do something because I feel like such a Debbie Downer on everyone's life when I hang out with friends or whatever it is, because all I want to talk about is how sad I am and how terrible I think my life is and all this stuff. So I, um, and it, I've talked to people about this too. Like it takes, um, it takes booking the appointment. Mm -hmm. I think the hardest part about therapy is finding someone that you can book with. Like that was what I struggled with. And finally a friend of mine recommended a woman to me and was like, why don't you just try going to her? And if you don't like her, at least you've like kind of taken that first step. And so I was like, okay. And when I went to book, they didn't have openings for like two months. So I was like, oh God, why am I doing this? As soon yeah. as I called, I was like, I'm not going to wait two months, but I was like, you know what? I'll just book the appointments. I'll let it sit. And if two months arrives and I don't want to do it anymore, then that's fine. And I'm so grateful I booked that appointment and just left it. And then when the reminder came, I was like, you know what? I still want to do this. And I tried it. And like, after my first session, I was like, oh, I'm never going to stop this. This is <laughs> miracle work. And like you mentioned too, like I, I think I said on the other podcast of just like, I didn't feel like I had big enough issues to be going to therapy. And then you yeah. sit down and talk about it and they're like, this is a great reason to be in therapy. Like, yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a problem. Lots of people have is they don't, they can't see the small stuff of being actually getting bigger and bigger as, as that small stuff goes on. And then eventually that small stuff becomes gigantic stuff. And then all of a sudden we've got huge problems. So yeah. Right before uh, it's big, that's a, yeah. That's a what is it like coming from a family of counselors? That's got to make for a really interesting childhood. Yeah, did you like that? I can imagine some of the, how, how do I put this polite, politely, because your mum and dad might listen to this, family disagreements. And you you kind of thinking as sort of a 16 or 17 year old kid, hang on, I, I can see what mind game they're playing here. Oh, I, well, it's so funny because my brother was just like meant to do that job. Like he was the kid growing up that I was like, why is this like this? And my mom would be like, it, because this. And he'd be like, but why? And she'd explain, <laughs> but why? And he was like, <laughs> And I'm like, your job makes so much sense. But he, yeah, he's, they both just suit their jobs. My, they're both like very sympathetic um, people, which maybe I'm not, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're better at um, also like, I'm such an emotional person and they're better at kind of not getting so emotionally involved in that stuff, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know how they do it. Like, it's the same as like doctors or even you, like a police officer, like I, I couldn't do that. It's just not a job I was meant to like do. Yeah. It's because I couldn't play goalie in the NHL. So yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So the Wranglers and obviously uh, our main man, Dustin Wolf had an incredible season last year. Uh, and they got so close to winning the entire lot, as we would say here. Uh, when all the seasons are done and it's done and dusted and you've done your, your season send-offs and everything else, I know this. I get lots of people say, what do those people do? Like when it's the off season, do they just, I think they've got these pictures of you sort of sitting in the office waiting for the season to come around as you're going over the hockey almanacs and everything else and doing stats and everything else. So what is, what is Olivia McDonald's job for Calgary Entertainment and Sports look like in the off season? Yeah, it's funny. I get asked that a lot because people think that I'm like contracts that I just work during the season, but I'm a full-time employee. So hired year round. Uh, we have a CFL team, so football, 
that happens in the summer. I don't um, specifically work those games. We have people that have those positions, but I am kind of the backup for their TV host. And then I help with social media. So I go out to every game um, and do some social media videos for them, walk around, interview people. It's all fun stuff, which is really nice. Uh, So I work all those games. And then it's a lot of planning. We sit and we plan um, both off-season content and content for next season that we want to do. I do a lot of like fun interviews. So went golfing with Dustin Wolf and Oscar Dance. Another week, uh, got a couple things planned. A lot of the guys are coming in for Stampede now, so we'll get a couple interviews with them. Um, so it's just preparing those interviews. I've got a couple Zoom calls, but one a week. Just did Jesse King the other week from the Roughnecks. He just signed his contract. It's a lot of also, like, it, there's a lot of re-signings happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's waiting to hear who re-signs and then planning Zoom calls with them. Doing oh, None of them are really here, so it's mostly Zoom calls, doing those interviews. So just organizing and then taking a lot of time off too. We have a lot of days in lieu that we have to use up because we worked a lot of overtime. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a couple of vacations and planning for the most part. So just to give some people some idea, um, how many, the season starts and the season ends, how many weekends do you get off in that season? Okay. Like two days in a row for yeah. a weekend off. Yeah. I'd say two, maybe. So like two entire weekends for the entire season? Yeah, like yeah, two full weekends, I would say, probably. Yep. It's yep. pretty rare. Yeah, and that's why sometimes when Olivia comes into the office, she just sort of, uh, and carries on and sits down at a desk. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing wrong. It's nothing personal. Um, so <laughs> what advice would you give to a 16-year-old, Olivia McDonald, if she came up to you and said, hey, how do I get a job like yours? What would you say? Uh, and what's funny is I've luckily, I've been very lucky through like TikTok and stuff. I've had a lot of young girls reach out. Um, so I've kind of had that chance to almost talk to the young 16 year old Olivia. Uh, my biggest advice is again, like just saying you have to be passionate about it because I've, I've had girls reach out saying they're in the program, they're doing journalism and they're just not loving it. Yeah. I've said to them, if you're not loving it, you're not loving it. Like, then maybe that's just not what you're meant to do. And that's completely okay. Um, I wanted to go into interior design and stuff when I was younger. And I thought that was my path or fashion. And then I started heading that way. And I was like, oh, I actually don't really enjoy this. And so I was like, okay, maybe that's just not the path for me. So you have to be okay with realizing that if it's not something you enjoy, it's not something you enjoy. Um, But then if you are passionate about it, my biggest advice is like, you well, not even advice, but you can do it if you love it. Like there is no one that's going to stop you if you want to work there and that's what you want to do. Don't let anyone get in your way because there are going to be barriers and there's going to be things you're going to have to fight through to be able to get there. And you're going to have to volunteer your time. You're going to have to do things for free. You're going to have to pay money potentially and all this stuff to get to there. But like you will get there if you want to get there. Yeah. Now, speaking of which, if I said to you, you can have all the jobs you want and I'm guessing it's going to be somewhere in hockey. What's your dream job? What does it look like? Is it ice hockey? Is it working for your own PR firm? Is it producing television? Uh, Have you become the creative director for the NHL PR? What is it? What's your dream job? It's changed over the last few years, I would say, which is funny. I originally, my initial goal was to work for like TSN um, and be a host for them and do plays of the month and all that kind of stuff. Like it just looked like such an ideal job, but, and not to say it isn't, um, I still would love to do that, but I'd say my dream now is to be like a specific team reporter. I love the idea of like what I do of being able to connect with one team and being very team specific. Um, whether that be the NHL, the NLL, the NFL, the NBA, um, I'd like to be a specific team reporter. Um, don't know where that will be but yeah maybe what, games, maybe who knows one day yeah which is a very weird concept for lots of new zealanders listening because most of our sports media tend to be very sort of neutral um so right. when you when you're you like sort of, media news outlets and stuff right yeah, yeah. Exactly. so when you say to them oh this is the like for instance i've shown they're like how can they be can sort of constructive and criticize the team and everything else i'm like they can. Uh, they. How do I put this nicely? They do it in a, in a sort of polite manner, though. They won't actually 
come out and yeah so it's a bit of a weird concept for a lot of New Zealanders FYI um at Calgary Sports you have a very very close and very experienced media team what's been the biggest lesson you've learned since you've been there just how much teamwork it takes to do all this like like you said like we have such an incredible team and you look at like the NHL draft that just happened yeah it's like 10 people at least like working on that just to get social media out, to get videos done, to get everything in order. It is such a team effort and not, not necessarily it's a lesson I've learned because it's something I've always thought was a thing, but something you really have to understand is like, this is such a team effort. And so you have to respect everybody on the team. You have to respect their roles and what they do. And whether it's the graphic designer, whether it's the video shooter, whether it's the TV host, whatever it is, but like everyone plays a part. Everyone's just as important. Um, it's it's a team game on and off the ice, I'd say. Yeah, that was the thing that amazed me. I was like, okay, hang on. There's like four or five people in the office here. What the heck? There can't be that many. I know that you guys are good on Twitter and social media, but seriously. And then I was like, okay, he's writing the copy for the website and, you know, and she's doing this. And I was like, okay, yeah. cool. And they're all, oh, in, yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, do you have a plan of where you want to go? with what you want to do with your career or are you a day by day, month by month person? Typically I'm a plan ahead. Um, but with this job, it's tough because I really like it. Um, yeah. so I don't know what my next steps are, whether that's stay here and just continue on, move my way up. Um, or if it's to go somewhere else, I don't know. Um, for now I'm going to stay here. I like it and see where these teams take me. I'm excited for next season already. Like just, both the NLL and the AHL seasons. I'm so excited to see what's in store because I think we'll have some big differences on the teams next year, mm-hmm. um, whether that's people moving up or moving to different teams. Um, now we're going to have a different head coach of the Wranglers. Um, it's nice. I'm happy to see Mitch Love doing what he needs to do, um, but it's going to be weird having a new head coach. Uh, yeah. I don't know who that is yet, but yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for next season. And I think the plan right now is to – at least stay here, take it day by day and just kind of see what happens. It's I'll do whatever I need to do um, to get to a dream position, obviously, if yeah. whatever it is, but um, I'm pretty happy. I'm lucky that I'm happy with where I'm at right now. Yeah, And I, I gotta be honest. I don't have no doubt that you will get there at all. Trust me on that Thank one. You. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's why I'll be ringing you when you are famous and saying, <laughs> Hey, Olivia, can I have some tickets? All right, no, I'm teasing. All right, last question. And this could be the weirdest question you get all day today. Right, here we go. It is this. The day of reckoning has come for Olivia McDonald. You are lying in your casket and the funeral service is going on around you. Strangely enough, you can hear what people are saying about you. What would you want people to say about Olivia McDonald? You know that there's going to be, I hate to say this, you know that there's going to be some Wrangler TV footage there, uh, and a few other bits and pieces. It's like, oh, look, this is when she was the fun chaser and this is that. But what would you like people to say about Olivia McDonald? First of all, everyone has to wear pink to my funeral. Um, I'm there. I'm there for that then. That's all good. Yep. Yeah, have to wear might, pink. Yeah. yeah. You might have asked me by about 40 years, So, but I, I'm there in spirit. All right. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Shot of tequila on your way in and you're wearing a full pink outfit. Everyone's in pink. Oh. Um, I... I hope people, I don't know, It's maybe it sounds sad. I just hope that they think I did well in my career. The, my career is so important to me, and um, I hope they think, say nice things about me and say that I was kind and, um, like, loving and all that stuff. But, yeah, I just said, I hope I did well. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's all right. Yeah, uh, I, I'd have to say, yep, no worries. So, if you want to follow um, Liv on social media, where do we go? Okay, so Livy McDonald's on Instagram, Liv May 10 on Twitter, and I believe it's Liv May, uh, Liv on TikTok? I don't even remember my TikTok yeah, name. Yeah, see, I don't do TikTok, but yeah, yeah. I, yeah Something it's... like that. Livy McDonald's 10, I think it is. Something yeah, like that. That's all good. Which... And make sure you do go and follow Olivia because you do get lots of uh, background and behind-the-scenes um footage and sometimes photos you will see what a train wreck uh her <laughs> life is when the playoffs are on and i'm pretty sure that she would appreciate all the hugs she could get come playoffs time because hopefully uh fingers crossed the wranglers are there next season as well as my beloved flames uh olivia as always 
absolute pleasure. Um, thank you so much for spending some time with us because I know that you were crazy busy. I saw you sunbathing the other day. You, you're going yep. crazy. Yeah. He says from nine degrees. Uh, and we will take, take care and we'll catch up soon, my friend. Thank you. Hopefully I'll see you in New Zealand one day. Thanks for listening. But please do Constable Brian and I a favour and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next Coppuccino podcast. Real people, real stories.